Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me the owner and CEO of Business Success Factors, Doug C. Brown. His website is businesssuccessfactors.com. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I'd start by asking because uh, I think at the time this recording comes out, it's uh, probably almost halfway through the new year. Uh, how's 2021 treating you so far? It's treating me really well. I'm I'm doing better than I was in 2020, and I grew by 20.4 percent in 2020. So, um, <laughs> love it. You know, it, it's 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 doing quite well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, considering your just your background, which we'll get into here in a little bit, of you know just your uh, expertise and sales, uh, sales growth, and everything. So let's go ahead and jump into that. Uh, for the business success factors, which is your company, you help specialize in helping CEOs, business owners, and companies to optimize the sales process while dramatically increasing revenues. Okay, so let me unpack that really quick. Let's start with optimizing the sales process. What does that mean for you to help your clients in that capacity? Well, it's about increasing the effectiveness and the efficiencies within mm -hmm. the effectiveness, if you will. So, you know, everybody wants to either sell more or they want to grow. Well, not everybody, but most people want to. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you do that very efficiently? Because when you do it more efficiently, not only does your revenue go up, but your profitability goes up as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so for, you know, um, many companies they're not optimizing what they already have. For example, you know, many mm -hmm. companies, uh, they neglect their past clients. So they, you know, they don't stay in touch with them or something as simple as that, but that can yield more money coming out of the company. And the reality is they've already spent the marketing money or, or prospecting money to go after that client. So mm -hmm. if they have a client that's say dormant for the last 12 months, but they reactivate that client, then all of a sudden it's, pure upside for the company, you know, except for the cost of sale. Mm -hmm. That's, that's one way of uh, explaining efficiency, I guess, in the, in the process. There's, there's a lot of every company that I've ever worked with, or I've ever owned, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they all have blind spots and, you know, uh, I specialize, I guess, in sales blind spots for the optimization component of it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I've never had anyone say that. Like you look at the blind spots of people, uh, these companies' sales process, and you think that with companies who have made, you know, at least a minimum of ten million, that uh, they have would they would have already figured this out. But it's nice to know, I, I guess, in a in a more grand scale, that's really good for even business owners at a smaller level um, or under making 10, 10 million revenue a year to understand that. Fortune is in the follow-up and and even fortune in in the clientele that you already have. And so it sounds like you really say, like, hey, well, let's look at what you already have. Like before we expand, let's see like the clients that you haven't even spoken to in a while. What we can what can we do to re-engage them to uh, increase our sales and to, you know, for them to continue to come back and and buy from us essentially. Yeah. And that's that's one great component. Cause it, firstly, every company tends to have some level of dysfunction, whether they're, mm. you know, a $20 billion plus company, or are there a company doing, you know, 2 million or 200,000 or mm -hmm. anywhere in between. So 
it's really about looking at those points and 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 optimizing those points and every every company has challenges in their process and every company tends to have challenges also in the people mm-hmm. so you know business would be so easy without people because we could just run by process all the time but when we have people they have emotions and desires and wants and fears and those type of things so those play into to some of the optimization component of it yeah. I think, you know, um, I remember having a conversation with someone uh, saying like uh, how many, like every business, no matter how big or small, always thinks that they're still a small business and they're always looking to expand, always looking to get better. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, maybe some people are pretty satisfied with their bottom line, what have you, but I think for the most part, it's safe to say that most businesses, especially since the pandemic, uh, are all about getting better, even pivoting. And so um, it's nice to acknowledge that you have acknowledged um, that every business is going to have its challenges and you're really there to uh, look at their blind spots and, and point that out to them and say, Hey, uh, you know, this is what we need to do to make this aspect of your business better. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we know, but we kind of turn our head and pretend, Oh, that's not really an issue. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, you know, company after company have I've worked with, you know, doing this now for over 20 something years, uh, I have not found maybe more than two business owners or CEOs mm-hmm. that have been satisfied where they currently are. Like truly, they might yeah. say that, but they're not. They all want to grow, but you know, most people want to grow safely. And mm. um, you know, it's important when you're running a company to make sure that those numbers are where you want them to be, especially yeah. if you're a public company or you know, you have stockholders in some capacity because they're all gonna yeah. hold you accountable. But Regardless of that, the actual market will hold you accountable one way or another. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Tell me briefly, Doug, a little bit about your background. You know, how did you uh, end up specializing in this and helping CEOs, business owners, and companies <laughs> optimize their sales process while dramatically increasing the revenue? Like, where, where did that begin for you? Totally by accident, first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because I know you have an interesting background. Of you were supposed to be in the medical industry, and then that didn't work out, and then you got yeah. to the industry. So I, I need to hear this. <laughs> well, I, I I'll, I'll give the short version. I started working when I was three years old for my father's business, mm. and we slept. We started from the the bottom up, literally sweeping floors. Mm. And by the time we were five or six, they started pushing us out in front of clients to uh, you know write orders and kind of get familiarized. I. I still, I never asked my dad before he passed, but I, I still don't know if that was, he needed labor or he was trying to teach us something. I'm really not sure. I think it was both. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but that's where I learned the power of leverage, right? Mm-hmm. Because I could watch what was going on in the business and I'd say, oh, well, we pay $10 for this. We charge $18 for this. Or we made $8, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, versus, hey, I'm going to trade time for money in, in a capacity. So I started uh, applying things to my own businesses. I always had businesses growing up. Um, mm-hmm. I worked a half a day for my dad. I went to school half a day. Then I had my own companies. And then I would come home, do my homework. And you know that went along for many, many years. Then I went into the military. And um, I still had side businesses. And mm-hmm. most of those businesses were smaller. They were maybe multi-five-figure, multi-six-figure businesses. Um, and... After I got out of the military, I figured, well, you know, I probably should do what everybody's telling me, you know, get these college degrees mm. because I'm really you not that. GI Bill. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I went back and I got them in biology, nuclear medicine, different things. And I went out to work in the healthcare industry, but the healthcare industry was dropping at the time. Mm. And 
I literally sent out, I think it was 309 resumes. I got three responses. So I have a license in nuclear medicine. I have all this stuff. I have $20,000 in debt, even though the military was helping pay for some of that. Yeah. Um, And I was like, man, I can't find a job. So somebody offered me a job and it was $13 an hour Mm -hmm. taking emergency call. And I was like, what are you talking? Like, it just, it kind of hit my head because I was selling music equipment all the way through school. Mm-hmm. And I was working with some of the most famous bands on the planet, like Aerosmith and the Eagles and people like that. Right, right. And uh, I realized I was making three times more selling music equipment than I was working at the hospital. So I said, there's got to be something to this sales process. So I, I went back into sales and I took a corporate job and I became the number one rep out of 315. And we that company built up and sold for $2 billion. In that process, mm-hmm. I actually found the training industry. Mm. And uh, that's how I kind of ended up specializing in that industry, even though I've worked with over 350 industries. Um, that one came along because I was helping a client with their, with their uh, it was a telecommunications company. I was helping them and they said, geez, you'd be a great coach. Mm. And I had no idea what they were talking about. I said, okay, well, I used to play some semi-professional soccer. That's literally <laughs> what I said to them. You mean like sports coach or like- sports coach. <laughs> right? That's what I thought <laughs> right? they were talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so they explained to me what it was. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I can give this a shot. And then I ended up helping a guy named Jay Levinson from a book series called Guerrilla Marketing. And he introduced me to a man named Chet Holmes. And I became Chet's president of training and sales for his companies. Wow. Then uh, Tony Robbins came along, decided he wanted to buy in. So I became Tony's president of sales. So I did that for about seven years. And then I've done it for like Russ Whitney. Wow. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Deepak Chopra, all the brands. Uh, I was the guy behind the scenes optimizing everything. And that's, so I optimized my dad's business. Yeah. I was optimizing mine. And then I was optimizing theirs. Yeah. And so I finally got a clue like, hey, this is probably uh, something that I could take out to the market on myself. And so yeah. it happened by accident. I love that. I think what it is, is that when you realize you're really good at something and it just comes naturally to you, um, considering, you know, thanks dad, right. (laughs) Starting from three years old. Thanks dad. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it just comes naturally to you because essentially since birth, like this is what you've been, uh, doing. And so it's great for you to just kind of realize that natural skill set that you have. And here you are today with business success factors. Thank you. Yeah. It's, um, and I enjoy what I do, right. Nothing makes me, um, Besides my kids, nothing makes me happier than to see, you know, hey, we just grew from, you know, 17 million to 22 million. And it was because of these three things you found in the company, you know, yeah. and now we're able to do these initiatives where we never had before. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get a, a charge out of it, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's how you know you're in the right space and you're doing what you love, right? When you get yes. a kick out of it. <laughs> um, yeah. One thing I think is uh, very interesting about the work that you do, Doug, is you teach conversational sales conversion. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. What does that mean? Uh, that means how do you speak to somebody and put it into a format that they feel blessed that you're having the conversation with them and mm. you feel really good with them? In other words, it's a win-win selling concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really the challenge with most people. And, and the reason, Chen, I, I actually even started this is because while I was going through, I realized that sales training was part of optimizing a company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized that most salespeople don't know how to have conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're not, they don't know how to sell on value. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have a conversation to be able to discover what to sell. 
on value, the value that the client is actually seeking, not just our value. Mm-hmm. And so I started um, looking at all the sales methodologies out there and started finding some common threads. And what I really couldn't find was how do you have a conversation around these common threads? So I yeah. developed that. And so I teach it in that capacity. So, you know, there's a multi-step process, but you, it's either linear or sequential, depending on how the conversation goes, because, you know, the, the challenge would say sales scripts, mm-hmm. they're a nice basis, but the challenge with a script is the other person that you're talking with, they don't know you have a script mm-hmm. and they don't know their part of the script. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, and, and I take this from interpersonal communication because yeah. uh, that's, we're selling to people. Right. And so in your case, being a lady, Mm -hmm. you think a little differently than men. Mm -hmm. And if a man doesn't understand that, then they're going to maybe trample on some of the values or, you know, belief systems that you hold dear. And that will upend a sale as quick as anything. Um, And so not only do we work on the the corporate agenda, but we work on the personal agenda and conversational sales mastery. So people feel high rapport between one another. Yeah. I like how you stress on selling on value. I'm curious to know, do you think that's a generational thing? Because I feel like it's in the recent decades where people are all about humanizing sales, where maybe, you know, coming out of the industrial age, it was just about, you know, the gadgets, the fact, you know, the figures, like just, just like the features and benefits. Right. Do you think, do you think from your experience and, and studying that it's a generational thing? I do think it is a generational thing. You know, I, I can tell by looking at you, you're probably uh, far young enough to be my daughter. <laughs> Sage. 33. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be. So yeah. I have two daughters, uh, you know, 20 and 23 soon to be. Um, but it's, I'd say it's more in their, their generation to the up to 40 mm-hmm. age group at this point. And I used to teach this 15 years ago. I used to tell people, listen, mm. The internet is going to change how people sell. Yeah. Because what would happen back when I was a person, let's say when I was 20 years old, if I wanted to go buy, say, an automobile, Mm -hmm. there were three dealerships in my local area. They were Ford, Dodge, and Chevy, whatever. And maybe I was lucky if I had a a foreign car manufacturer uh, Mm -hmm. or, or dealer around me. But they had all the information. I'd walk in, you know, they'd play the old games. They, oh, I'll go talk to my manager. I'll come back. I'll play this. I'll play that. They knew all the pricing. They knew everything. Yeah. But when the internet came along, it changed changed the informational flow and the availability. So it gave the buyer yeah. all the information. And um, so, yeah, today it's, it's much more. <laughs> I had to laugh because I was... Um, what the the refrigerator at the house went right so or oh, no. going, and i'm like oh <laughs> yikes right? and and so i'm like i go up online i look at you know all the refrigerators and i'm like you know there's a lowe's right down the street and i'm a veteran so they give me 10 off so I'm like, go. I'll, I'll, I'll go buy lowe's and uh i go down there and i'm asking this man questions you know i'm like well you know this model maytag or this model ge or whatever you know does it do this and then he's like i i don't know I'm like, well, according to the manual, it, it, it will do these things. Yeah. He's like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, how has information exchange changed, right? Yeah. So your generation, the generation that comes after you, you're, you're, it's normal business. It's normal to go online to, before yeah. making a, a decision. So when it comes up into the, you know, the, I'll call it the 50 plus crowd. Mm-hmm. They are now more doing it than ever. 
Over mm-hmm. half of them actually research something online before they make a buying decision, mm-hmm. whether it's business to business or business to consumer, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's another thing about conversational sales mastery, because if people don't know how to converse over LinkedIn or over some type of electronic medium, um, they're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> you know, they're, they're yeah. going to get in the opposite direction very quickly. Yeah. I'm, I, I feel like a uh, copy has become more conversational. Like it has to be conversational. It has to feel more human because I mean, I definitely, uh, what is it? How old I was? When did I start online chats? <laughs> I think I was like when MSN chats were a thing when I was in like fifth grade, that's when I started to get exposed to the internet. And yeah, it just became normal for me to look everything up. Like Yelp was my best friend for a long yep. time before I would go into any store and then Google reviews. And now I look everything up on Amazon and it's just part of my nature. And so I can only imagine what the generation um, younger than me, like how normalized that's going to be, especially since I think the pandemic really uh, propelled that that much, uh, really, sorry, really accelerated that, you know, having to do everything online. And without question, because people were sheltered in place, right? So what's there to do, right? So you go to the internet or some type of, you know, and and you can see it even in the, um, in the, cable providers of the of the past the xfinities and everything everybody's going now online streaming right mm-hmm. everything is starting to move into that direction right and um <laughs> i had a laugh because there's this uh i think he's five uh, my nephew and uh i shouldn't say it that way he's five that's my nephew <laughs> <laughs> in, case, in case my sister-in-law is listening to this um so but it was interesting because my wife was speaking to her sister and they were talking about things and the the five-year-old's like, yeah, I just go up on whatever it was, Instagram and yeah. da, 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 or whatever. Right. And yeah. it's like, he didn't, he didn't even think about it. And they're like, how do I log into this? So why do I log into that? Right. So it was, um, it's become part of the mainstay at this point. So yeah. there's two things that people need to understand uh, mm-hmm. in selling this, what we're talking about. And then how do we have a, a rapport building conversation? Because rapport will sell more than anything. Yeah. Um, and if you put those two together, you'll all, you know, a person will always make a living and a, and a pretty good living too, because it'll differentiate people. And the, and then, you know, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways, you got to care too. I mean, yeah. you got to really care that for, for the, the person that we're trying to serve and, you know, as much about their needs and wants and desires as our own. As yeah. a selling party. Absolutely. I don't think anyone can survive for long if you don't care. <laughs> uh, I think in today's times, in my opinion, I mean, I feel like that's always been the case, but I feel like more so than ever. Well, in, in, in global reach is so easy today. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it, it's not where we lived in the United States before. It was like, okay, the US, maybe Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Possibly Mexico once in a while you buy something from, you know, if you wanted it for a lower price. But today you can buy it anywhere in the world, almost anything. And quite frankly, you can get better products in other countries at times too. So, yeah, and you can find all this very quickly. So that has changed the whole information structure and the information structure has changed sales forever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, One thing that I think is great about 
I think your stage and your business now, Doug, is that you want to go from helping uh, those who make over companies that make over 10 million to more of the midsize and smaller size markets and companies. So for those that are in that range, let's say under 10 million, uh, tell us what your process would be like with them if they were to be working with you. Well, the first thing we have to do is get truthful on what they really want, the goal. Mm -hmm. So normally, and this is no disrespect to the under 10 million market, they're still in a in a process where they're trying to figure it out, many of them, mm-hmm. right? Now, I've worked with multi-billion dollar corporations that were still trying to figure it out, but mm-hmm. for the most part, they have a lot of process and structure in place when they get to be, you know, a 50 million to up company. Mm-hmm. But usually folks under 10 million, they're, uh, they're, they're trying to truthfully understand what they really want. And so the first step is getting them ultra clear on the goal in a very truthful manner, not, not honest because everybody's honest. I want to grow. I want to do this. I want to do that. Right. Yeah. But that's subjective. So mm. objectively, what do you really want to accomplish? So once we understand what that is, the next step is understanding, okay, what do we have for resources right today? So we, we do an assessment on the process. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do this assessment is because that finds the blind spots, but it also finds you know constraining factors. It finds things that they have that we can really capitalize on. It finds the great stuff that they have in the company, but it also like levels the playing field of, okay, is now what we know in the assessment in match with what we want to do for goal? Mm-hmm. So I talked to a person, he was doing 3 million a year and Domi wants to be 53 million in 12 months. And so I said, well, let's just do a quick assessment, right? Yeah. And he said, sure. And I said, well, tell me what your marketing budget is for this. He goes, I don't have one. I said, I tell me, you know, and I asked him three or four questions. And he goes, he goes, uh, what do you think? I said, there's no way you're going to get to $53 million with high probability. Yeah. You're going to need three to 5 million just in marketing money in order to grow that fast, right? And you might need more. Mm-hmm. So it, it, he changed his goal afterwards. Right. He, now he wanted to get to a $5 million company and that was doable. Thing, yeah. Right. I was going to so, say from 3 million to 50, that's <laughs> a big 53, jump. Yeah. That was a $50 million yeah. jump. Um, and, you know, we'd all love to do it financially, but it, you right. know, there's a lot of growth and a lot of things that have to happen. So mm-hmm. once we understand what, what the, you know, the baseline is, if you will, then we assess the people mm-hmm. within because just because we have a good baseline, we may have people that are just not into the into the mission. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, a lot of times in sales, for example, they have people in the wrong position. They have people trying to sell who have very little will to sell. Yeah. And so they're not closing. And it's not because the leads are bad. It's because they just literally somebody says no, they go, oh, okay, and sh- walk away. They're not uh playing win-win on behalf of the client at that point. Mm-hmm. So once we go through the people, we uh we then b- help them build out a growth plan. Uh okay, here's what we here's what we truthfully want, here's what we have, here's what we have on the people side, the process side, the systems, we look at all that and now we build a growth plan based on that. And what I normally find Jen is mm-hmm. most of the time it's between 3 and 5 things that actually get them to their mm-hmm. goals. So you know, a lot of people like they'll they'll try to do too much at one time and they drown in the in the process. So, uh, for the for the under ten million dollar, it's really important because they lack usually financial resources that the three hundred million dollar company has. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very careful. Not that we're not with a three hundred million dollar company, but we have to be very careful because that 
you know, losing, you know, a couple hundred grand on something could hurt them in, in a big way. Where yeah. if you're a $300 million company, you lose a couple hundred thousand dollars. It's not a fun day, but you can recover very quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to shift gears here real quick, just as I know that we are coming to a close here. Um, you know, thank you for sharing all that. I know that we've only really scratched the surface to all the knowledge and um, the wealth of knowledge that you have for our listeners. Uh, but you have a book coming out. Tell us about it. I have a new book. It's uh, coming out on now. The title's still changing, but it's probably going to be like <laughs> turbocharged uh, revenue. Um, it's all on how to grow your company, and I, I wrote it primarily for that that market we were just talking about because yeah. they didn't have access to that information. Mm. Um, However, it can be applied to any business. And mm-hmm. um, the last thing I thought, I was I was actually looking at a publisher this year to publish an, a different book, mm-hmm. but this came up and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'll do it. Um, and it should come out in about May uh, at this point. Um, but, you know, my last self-published book did really well. It went international bestseller in four countries. And, awesome. Um, so the, the, you know, this one I expect to hopefully exceed those expectations. And this one, uh, all, all the things that I write on are something that I'm very key and passionate about, you know, helping people do. So that'll be, that'll be out, I think in May at this point, it's looking around May that we'll be releasing it. Awesome. Doug, I think you're really good at teaching. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you have a, a book that already came out, another book coming out and another one after that. You know, obviously you enjoy what you do in helping our business owners, our CEOs uh, and companies uh, really thrive and increase the revenue and do it the right way. Do it in a way that feels good for them. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, before we go, let us know. Uh, I know that we already dropped a ton of knowledge, but any parting thoughts you want to share with our small business owners and entrepreneurs listening to the thoughtful entrepreneur? Well, I think in 2021, well, I don't think I know in 2021, <laughs> you know, I, look, Here's the thing. 2020 for most people uh, was a was a compromised year. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. whether you were compromised in your business or whether you're growing in your business uh, in 2021, you know, because some businesses did extremely well. I mean, you know, the the word Zoom now is as you know normal as Kleenex. You know, right, it's like, right, <laughs> right. So right. it's no longer video conferencing. It's we're zooming. Yeah. So <laughs> right. So that businesses like that, you know, just by the nature of what happened, grew exponentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the majority of businesses out there in 2021, it's not really, it's about sales, but it's about massive prospecting. Mm. And I would urge everyone to find six new ways in 2021 to actually prospect because most companies are not doing so. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the insider tips that when we go into companies, a lot of times I'll find they're doing one to three things on Mm -hmm. average. And so all of a sudden we get them doing six to nine things and their revenues go up and their, you know, people come, come, come to them. So the master prospector will always outsell the master closer. That's what I've witnessed. And so in 2021, massive prospecting is the key. I like that. So to our listeners, take some time to think about that. Think of six ways to be a better prospector in 2021. Um, I will say that thanks to Zoom, I feel like I'm more productive. I talk to more people. So maybe that's a start. If people don't know where to begin is have more Zoom calls <laughs> because you don't have to commute anywhere, right? <laughs> no, no, no. And, and and most people are... And on that point, you know, a lot of times here's, here's a fallacy that people think that they want to 
I've got to get in the office and I've got to, you know, get in front of these people and I got to do that. And that's nice. But here's the thing, you know, working with so many CEOs and business owners over the years, they don't want you there. They'd rather do it over Zoom because they don't have to set up for you. They don't have to take the, you know, the time away from something else um, and, you know, for you to come in. Now, if they invite you in, great. But the reality is you can get a lot done in electronic medium today because it's becoming far more normal business to do so. Yeah. Uh, it's a relief for me as an introvert because I only like to go out for so many times. So I'm grateful. But uh, on that note, Doug, wow. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks again for joining us on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. And again, to our listeners, this is Doug C. Brown, who is the owner and CEO of Business Success Factors. You can learn more about him at businesssuccessfactors.com, his company, uh, as well as uh, his upcoming book. Hopefully you'll be able to, we'll know the name by then. I think hopefully when this episode comes out. We we should by then. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And again, to our listeners, thanks again for joining us and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement.